Hello, my name is Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. You can find more about us in our church at odessafirst.com. Our current series is called Church and Culture. We are focusing on the first few chapters of the book of Daniel. Many are asking, how do I live faithful to the Lord in the midst of a corrupt culture? We can live godly lives with great impact on our culture, and Daniel shows us how. So Daniel chapter 1 is we're going to be looking, but let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your presence in this house. We're so grateful, Lord, for your work in our life. I pray once again that our hearts would be good soil, Lord, just ready to receive your word. Lord, because we know that when we're that good soil, that harvest is 30, 60, 100 times that which is sown. So I pray that our hearts be open, that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And so I just want to, really the, the theme of all six weeks has been out of Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. And so I want to look at that very quickly. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, just really the first part of that verse because it really speaks everything. It laid the foundation of what we've talked about. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Here's Daniel, and of course we've talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Daniel, he's somewhere between 13 and 17 years old in Daniel chapter 1, brought out of Israel, taken captive by Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar, and brought into the Babylonian kingdom. And uh, they really put the, the pressure on them. Uh, they en enrolled them into a school that had everything to do with enchanting and idol worship and, and false gods. And in these six chapters, Daniel has stood against everything um, that has come against him. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, it talks about, about them not eating the king's diet, but eating their own diet because the diet the king wanted was uh, went, went against many of their laws they had as, as Israelites. And um, we see that they, uh, Daniel, he interpreted not just one dream of Nebuchadnezzar, but two dreams. We didn't talk so much about that second dream in, uh, in Daniel chapter 4, but he interpreted twice for King Nebuchadnezzar. And then we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they wouldn't bow to, to worship the the, the false, the, the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself. And that's what got them thrown into the fiery furnace. We talked about that. And, and then we talked about the last week, the finger riding on the wall. And, uh, and Daniel interpreting that for the king Belshazzar. And so we see all this going through. And now we're in chapter 6. And I want to remind you once again, I've kind of been more and more, uh, you know, alluding to this, but just to remind you that now here in Daniel chapter 6, we know that he's at least in his late 70s or early 80s. Some even believe that he's in his 90s. But here he is at the end of his life, and this is where Daniel 6 begins to unfold and and open back in. And as he wrote the book, this book that's titled after him, I mean, he's looking back through all these years of all this, the dreams that he interpreted, then and being in the presence of this godless, the godless kings that he served under. And yet every time they elevated him, they promoted him. And it is astounding to me the influence that Daniel had 
on these godless kings. And, and, and we'll even see it come to light even more so under King Darius that we'll talk about in just a second. And so, so much has happened, so much has unfolded, and yet time and time again, it's not that this Daniel sees the faithfulness of God, but Daniel remained faithful. And that's the key, that Daniel remained faithful in this godless kingdom, in, in this Babylon empire, and then uh, the Assyrian empire. But, and, and I'm sure so much more happened than what these six chapters and yeah there's more to Daniel and Daniel chapter 7 it moves in more to the end times and I'm actually thinking we'll do a series next year on the 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 last chapters of Daniel but even as we jump into this I just want to say very quickly and this is your first fill in the blank if you've got the notes there but you can live for God if there's one thing that I'm confident of is that even in our culture today here now you can live for God. There's, uh, there's so many that are really wishy-washy in their faith. I'm going to tell you, if you'll resolve the way that Daniel resolved, that you're not going to defile yourself, even in today's society and culture, you can live for God. You will live in faithfulness to God when, one, you resolve that you can't live any other way. You've got to know that no matter what circumstance, no matter what temptation, no matter what battles come your way, when you resolve that you're going to live for God, you decide now. You don't decide in the heat of the moment when the, when the storm's happening. If you wait to decide then, that's, that's when so many of us buckle and crater under that pressure. You've got to decide before you get in the battle. And when you resolve it, then you know that you can't live any other way. you got to understand the power of grace. I think next year, I, years ago, I did a sermon series. But I think I want to talk about grace again because, you know, especially the way some of us were raised in a Pentecostal church, that's not really a word that was spoken very much. But then, uh, because we're so afraid of this hopper grace movement that's been happening. But listen to me. The grace of God is not an excuse to stay in sin. It's the power to get out of it. Gonna, some of you didn't catch that. I want to say it again. God's grace is not an excuse to stay in sin. It's the power to get you out of it. And Jesus, if you want to live for God, faithfulness to God, uh, Jesus has to be the center of your world. You have to abide in him. I'm going to tell you, your theme you may have theme verses and memory verses you love going to, but your chapter that you need to go to again and again and again and again is John chapter 15. You need to abide. As we abide in Jesus, he becomes the center of our world. And I'm going to tell you something else. I can't imagine doing this without being powered by the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit at work inside me. I, I know I've shared this quote before, but I, I can't remember exactly who it was. I, I, seemed, I think it was Charles Spurgeon or it was Charles Finney. It was, it was a, a preacher that was involved in one of the great awakenings. But he said he asks for the, the filling of the Holy Spirit every day because he leaks. That's what he said. See, people ask me, why do you ask always be filling the Holy Spirit? He said, because I leak. I mean, that's what society does to us, that when we expend that energy and we take those stands, we need that refreshing and refilling of the Holy Spirit. But as I'm thinking about Daniel, you know, I, I of course, I don't know what Daniel looked like, but I, you know, I just, I just look at, I mean, he had to look like a tough guy. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he didn't because 
Maybe he was in the palace, but I don't know. I, I, just see, I don't know what your definition of a tough guy is. Maybe it's, uh, um, you know, Bruce Willis, since we're in Christmas season. Everybody knows Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, maybe it's Arnold, you know. Um, you know, maybe, you know, Sylvester Stallone. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, D- Daniel Craig or whoever it might be. Um, my tough guy, my, my hero is Chuck Norris. Uh, and so maybe, but I tell you one guy that I know that's a tough guy that is, when I look at the definition of what a tough man is, it's my dad. I, he, he blows, my, he's all my life, you know, it's just, I've seen things, I mean, one time we were working uh, out in our driveway, this was, I mean, I was young, I was probably in junior high, and he was, he had something, and he was drilling something, and, and, the, and the drill bit came off the concrete and came up and went right through his hand. And I mean, I, I just, I'm, I nearly passed out, you know, but he just clicks the thing in reverse and just pulled it right out and went inside and did some super glue and bandaged it up and, you know, kept working. I'm like, that is insane. <laughs> I mean, even now at my age, I'm thinking, I, I think I would. I think I would pass out. I, so I don't know, uh, but, you know, here's what I do know is, is that we do need a, a toughness on the inside of us if we're going to live for God in this culture I, I say it all the time that we need to have skin of a rhinoceros but the heart of a lamb. There needs to be a toughness to us, but I'm going to tell you, the only way that we get to that place in the kingdom is through suffering. And I know that's something you're like, oh, I thought this was going to be an encouraging sermon. It is. It is. To stay focused on Jesus, you'll come out of suffering stronger. When Jesus becomes your everything and you're, you're focused on him, I'm going to tell you, every time that you go through a trial, every time you go through a tribulation, every time you go through a difficulty, you are going to come out stronger. Stronger in your faith. I mean, we know there is no doubt. We, we've laid the foundation that our society, our culture is becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity and to our belief and, and values. And I believe that through Daniel 6, and really more so all these six chapters, we see some qualities that we need to live in faithfulness. And, and so just really quickly, this is going to be fast. We are going to, we're kind of going to look at Daniel chapter 6 really quick. And I'm going to talk to you about a, f- a few things. And so Daniel chapter 6, we're going to begin in, wor- in verse uh, 1. And we're going to read through verse 10 here at the beginning. And then I'm going to sum up some things. And then we're going to talk about the end of the chapter. And then I'm going to kind of really get in the meat what I want to talk to you about. So buckle up. Daniel chapter 1, chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius, so you know Darius served under several kings, and Darius was one of them, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom David was one. So right here at the onset, we see David is already at a place of authority. I mean, he's, he's high up there in the ranks. To whom these, and not only that, but Daniel, these, all these 120 that are going to help rule, they're going to report back to David. Or not David, but Daniel. So the king might suffer no loss. Verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the high. See, I'm going to tell you something. Society wants you to, this is for free, this just popped in my head. 
Society wants you to believe because of your values as a believer and a Christian and want to be faithful to God, that you're a weak person, you're less of a person, that, that you can't uh, be promoted or move up. And th- I'm gonna, I, when, you look at, when you look at Joseph and you look at Daniel, I'm going to tell you something. What I see is, is if you'll stay faithful, God will open the right doors for you. God will open the right doors for you. Then the high official, the satrap, sought, so he get, so other guys are jealous. So this, that's what verse 4 is. The other guys get jealous. The high officials and satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel. That also happens, you know, I, we kind of joke around, some of my summer friends, and um, from a sermon we heard a long time ago uh, called Favor's Not Fair. When you have the favor of God on your life, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to upset some other people that are around you. And they're going to try to tear you down. Okay, I'm, don't park. All right, we'll move on. All right. But they could find no ground or complaint or any fault because he was faithful. Everybody say faithful. It goes on to say they found no error in him. How powerful is that? Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any ground or complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in a connection with the law of his God. Verse 6, then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever, suck-ups. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of the lions. I mean, this is playing out just like uh, the, the fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children. Now, O king, verse 8, establish this injunction and sign the document that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Verse 9, therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction when Daniel knew, look at this, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward heaven, toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Nothing changed for Daniel. He stayed faithful. He stayed faithful. And then when we look through 11, I mean, we kind of see the unfolding, of course, the, these guys, you know, 11 through, I think down through in the, begin, the 20s in there somewhere, chapter, uh, verse 20. You know, the guys, they, they turned Daniel in. And so it was really with a heavy heart because King Darius, he loved Daniel and had a lot of respect for Daniel, but he had signed this law, so he had to follow through with it. So they gather up Daniel, and what do they do? They, they throw him in um, uh, into the lion's den. Matter of fact, verse 14 in Daniel chapter 6, it says this. It won't be on your screen. If you have your Bibles open, you're following along. You can read it with me. But then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set in his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down. I mean, he even tried to keep from, I mean, uh, he himself going against the law that he just decreed, and he's trying to save Daniel's life, but he couldn't do it. He, 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 of course, throws him in there. Verse 16, it says, Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast in the lion's den, the den of lions, and the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, and there's a word right here. I know you can't see it unless you have your Bible open, but he says continually. I mean, the king is saying to Daniel, keep serving your God. I know I'm just throwing you in the lion's den, but you keep serving God. I mean, to me, that's a testimony of something. 
And so he throws him in there, and the king, he fasts, he can't sleep. He's waiting for that next day, and so he, go, he finally, morning comes, and he, uh, he, he gets there, and he, he opens up. He, matter of fact, the Bible says he, he made haste to the lion's den. He, he ran. And you see, the king is running to the lion's den to check on Daniel. And he comes near to Daniel was, verse 20 says, and out of a tone of anguish, and he calls out. Then Daniel, in verse 21, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. But I want to pick up in, in uh, verse 21. It says this, and the king said, to the Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I've done no harm. I mean, I, we need to be careful because I, I don't want to tell you this morning, as I said, matter of fact, I think I said it in the first sermon, that just because we do everything right, it doesn't always mean that everything's going to work out right. You see, the reason why we do what's right is not so that everything works out right. We do right because God is our God. Are you following? We, we do what's right. We, we're faithful because God is God. And it doesn't matter really what happens to us. God is still God, and we should still remain faithful. O king, I've done no harm. And he says in verse 23, Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Powerful moment. And here's what I believe is that moment when Daniel was faced with that decree because of his lifetime of faithfulness. It was an easy choice. I don't think Daniel was like, oh no, what am I going to do? How, how, what, how, how can I be sneaky and still serve God with this decree of the king? That did not enter Daniel's mind. What did he do? He went back to his room and lived life like he always lived it and was faithful to God. And I think Daniel is looking back over his 70 plus years and seeing those divine moments where God delivered him and was faithful to him. And I really think Daniel was in the same mindset of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember what they said? They said, we, think God, we believe God's going to deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're not changing our mind. And so Daniel's at this place, I mean, he has that toughness in his spirit that even though he's faced with the lion's den and being ripped to shreds, he still remained faithful. And so here's the kind of the, the, the turn I want to take on this, is five traits it's going to take to live for God in our society. And these five things is what I see throughout the life of Daniel. Five things that were the traits of Daniel that helped him live faithful in Babylon and what, how we need to live in today's society. So you follow me. One thing is, number one is this, is that Daniel was obedient. Obedience. Oh, it takes obedience to live in this culture. It takes obedience to live in this culture. Uh, it's often, too often we respond to God as he's given us suggestions and not commands. 
Usually when times get tough and our faith is tested, we try to make our own way. We try to jump the the road we're on to an easier road. I'm going to tell you, that never works. There's too many people who look in their life thinking they need a geographic change for them to have a change of life, and that's not the problem. The problem is God's put you right where you need to be for Him to do the work that He needs to do inside of you. Amen. It's easy to obey God when we agree with Him. It's easy to obey God when we agree with Him. But I have found so many times in my life, some, God knows how to ask the difficult question because God knows what that does that, that stirs our faith, that causes us to go against the grain, to not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. That's how some of that transformation takes place, is God's going to ask of you things that are counter to our society and culture. He's going to ask you to stand. I mean, the Bible tells us in, in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, right? We know this verse. It, so, so, there's a lot of you, you got this on your living room wall somewhere. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on it. Trust God regardless of what you think's right. Trust God regardless of what the circumstance. Don't lean on your own understanding, your own viewpoint of what's happening in your life. Trust God. Trust His power. Trust His word. Trust His truth. Trust God. Here's one that we, we, you know, there's, there's some of those scriptures that kind of like maybe like to, you know, I think C.S. Lewis has said, it's not, the, it's not the scriptures I don't understand that bother me, it's the ones that I do understand that bother me. And one of those I think is Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, 7 and 8. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Think about that. To him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through suffering. Through suffering. That's a difficult promise to catch a hold of. I'm going to tell you, I, I have found in my life. I, now, I, I, don't want, I don't take this flippant and I don't want to come across that way. But I'm going to, when you live in that place where you're abiding in him... God's going God's to contend with your life. And the things that he contends in your heart, it may not just be about sin, but about obedience. So when God starts working in you, I, I, just very simply, I remember when I, I, mean, I just barely got saved and I was really living for the Lord and... and um, I'm going to tell you, I really, I, I, and I still do. I, I don't know why God gave me such a love for music when I'm no good at it. But I love music. I do. I love, I mean, it's like 24-7. I love, I love, the only time I turn music off is when I'm writing my sermons. That's the only time. I love music. I'm always listening to music as much as I can. And, uh, but I was the same way when I was a heathen. And, well, you know, the bands I listened to were not Christian bands because, I was a heathen. And so, and not that I'm not trying to tell you that, uh, you know, I'm not here to say, okay, we're going to bask mask, you know, cassette tapes, and you're going to hear the message of Satan and music or something. I, that's not what this is about. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
But I, I remember when God contended with me, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and he said, stop listening to secular music. Ugh. What am I going li- to want You want me to listen to Carmen? What? You know? But I remember that, that and I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to project anything on you understand, but God contended with me. Do I think that well, some of the music I was listening to was sinful? Come on, I mean, you know, let's not pretend. I mean, but there, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of secular music that's not harmful, and it's, there's nothing wrong with it. But, I mean, he told me all, and I, I had a hard time. But you know what I decided? I decided I was going to obey no matter what God asked me. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a decision I have never regretted. I think, I, I, now I'm going to get on the soapbox just a little bit. I do think many struggle with their faith because they won't turn the junk off. I'm not saying you need to or have to, but I'm going to tell you, garbage in, right? It's a simple truth. All right, I'll stop meddling. Number two is this. So Daniel had obedience. The second thing Daniel had was perspective. At at this moment, and whether he's 80, whether he's 85, whatever, 79, I mean, he's at this place where Daniel has a perspective of what it has done for him to live a lifetime of faithfulness. Without perspective, everything gets blown out of proportion. The problem is those that lack perspective, they rarely realize it. it it's a lack, uh, you know, that it's because of a lack of perspective we get the, how many have heard this? You can't see the forest for the trees. Well, that's a perspective problem. How many trips have I been on, with, when, especially when the kids were little? I was thinking about, you know, when we first got one of those, uh, I don't I think we had a Garmin, you know, and it was like, you, you know, suction cup to your windshield. It was like, you know, the first GPSs that came out, and so we had one of those. And, of course, before then, our kids were just like probably, well, I was when I was young, and maybe, you know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I mean, you know, you're on the road five minutes and, you know, you're going two hours. Are, you there? Are we there yet? I mean, they really have no perspective of speed limits and distance and how far. But when we got that GPS, it really gave them a perspective because they were like, Daddy, put the, put the checkered flag up there. And so they would always want the, the, like the zoomed out thing, the bird's eye view and see where we are, the little car icon and the, and the checkered flag because they wanted that perspective. God's the only one that has that bird's eye view of our life, but when we trust in him, we begin to gain the right perspective. The lack of perspective causes us to have tunnel vision. I almost wanted to pass out like a bunch of uh, paper towel things, whatever those are called. But perspective, when we have the right perspective, it allows us to see the big picture. But so many times when the fire gets hot, when the lion roars loud, we forget the perspective. You see, perspective influences everything. Attitudes, mindsets, filters that we see through and pass things through. I I remember years ago, this was, uh, I mean, this is 20, 20, something years ago, and I was on staff at a church, and uh, I was part of my portfolio there as an outreach pastor, and so we did a lot of outreaches and, and love that kind of stuff, kind of like what we're doing tonight, and 
Uh, that's what I got to really cut my teeth. But something we should do, we would get you know, our volunteers together and we would do lightning outreach programs. And so we would go throughout the city and just and do a list of, we call it a lightning outreach. And so we'd, we'd throw up some games and do some dramas and you know, we'd canvas really quick and people would come over and we'd hit like three or four parks just really fast that day. And then we had a big outreach in our, in our church parking lot that night. And so my dream was, my dream it was, uh, you know, I kept casting the vision. We're going to have a thousand people. We're going to have a thousand people in our parking lot. And people are like, man, ain't a thousand people don't know where our church is. I said, like, no, I really believe we're going to have a thousand people. And so it was, man, we had food. We had games. We had, you know, all kinds of stuff. We had this, you know, a semi-trailer. And we were doing music and dramas. And, and I presented the gospel. And, and well over a hundred people came to faith that day in our church parking lot. I remember the high. Do you remember that, babe? I, I, I'll never forget it. It was just one of those moments that it was just a God moment. God did an amazing thing. And then afterwards, we're kind of, I mean, we're on cloud nine. I mean, we're like, yes, you know, victory, you know. We you know, did something for the kingdom, and, and so we're cleaning up. And our church maintenance man, he comes in and get me, and I can tell he's a little bit upset. You know, he had veins where I didn't know he had veins, and he was red. And, and he says, Pastor Todd, I need you to follow me. And so I'm like, okay. And so I follow him and go into the foyer and he, he opened, we walk in the bathroom. And I'm, I, I really wasn't worried until he, we start, he, we go in the bathroom thinking, is he going to lock the door? I mean, what? I know he's mad. And, and we go in the restroom, we go in the door and the door shuts. He says, look at that. Well, what happened was during the outreach, somebody came and used the restroom and swung the door too hard and, you know, put a hole about like this in the sheetrock. And I mean, he is chewing me up one side down the other. And I, I was like, but we just had a thousand lost people in our parking lot. Well, nobody should treat the church of God like this and, you know, going on and on. And, and, and maybe was some truth of that. Yeah, th- there was some truth of that. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't care. I, and I'm speaking to us specifically. If we have to deal with a few holes in the sheetrock, if we've got to deal with some broken door, if we've got to, if we've got to deal with some of the, I would much rather be repairing holes in sheetrock than clearing out cobwebs in the pew. Come on, somebody. I mean, let's really look. What, what is this building here for? What, what are we of the church here for? It's to reach people. Let's have the right perspective. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes not everything works to plan. You know, there's a lot of things you can plan out to a T, but I'm going to tell you something. Outreach is not one of them. There will be something that goes wrong. And you know what you got to so There will be something that goes over time. There's something that will make us uncomfortable. You know what we do? We love, we serve, and allow God to do His work. That's what we do. That's what we do. And so each, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm kind of going to skip ahead. I spent a little more time there than I wanted to, but uh, just for, because, like, if I had two blanks that were missing, I would come after church and say, what were these two things? So I was going to read, the scriptures are there, but in 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 11, it's talking about Paul's life, but each trial that Paul had, he, it left him stronger and wiser. And it's the same thing with, it's the same way with Daniel. That all these experiences that he went through, what did it do? It let, you know, when he was interpreting that first dream, it left him a little stronger and a little wiser. When he interpreted that second dream, and it was a difficult, you go back and read it. I mean, he's telling Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to lose your mind and you're going to lose your kingdom. 
I mean, it, it took some resolve to be able to talk about, or even to, to Bashar, remember the, the writing on the wall? You have been weighed today and found wanting. I mean, it, you know, he's, not, he's not giving easy words, but yet he was obedient. But the third thing is this, is endurance. Endurance means the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process without giving way. And so I'm going to say it this way. And this will fill in your blank. Endurance is the ability to face difficulties without giving up. I, when I look back over my life and some things that I had to face when maybe it was you know, my mid-20s and I, you know, kind of feeling and thinking like it's the end of the world. And now, this point in my life, I look back and I think, I wish I had that problem again and not this one. You know? I wish I could tell you they ease up. They don't. But there's a reason for that. Because each thing you go through gets you ready for the next thing. Each storm you go through gets you ready for the next one. Each trial you go through gets you ready for the next one. Every point of suffering you go through gets you ready for the next one. You know why? Because that when we live that life and we stay in obedience to God and keep the right perspective, we create an endurance. You know what it does? It impacts those around us. Think about every single king, godless king, that Daniel served under, yet they all respected him and at the end of the trial wanted to honor him and his God. That's what endurance does. Endurance is the ability to, to, to do difficulties without giving up. Yeah, I remember back in high school, um, you know, of course, I played football and all the sports and everything. We had a coach change, and we got this new coach in. And, you know, that was back in the day, you know, I had my mullet. Most of us did, you know. And, uh, you know, love football. But this new coach comes in, and he's like, I mean, our first meeting, man, he lays down the law. He's like, your hair's not going to touch your collar. You're not allowed to drink coats. Uh, Cokes, and I'm going to run you till you think you can't run no more. And I'm like, I mean, all of us were like, well, we're quitting, you know. But I, I remember I, the off season and the training and, and all that we went through, man, and it was, it was brutal. I mean, we were doing things that, I mean, he attached a rope to the top of our, of our state, of our, I say, our, our stands, our stadium, our stands, and, and every day we had to climb that rope. You know, and I'm like, why are we? It's football. Let's throw a pass. Let's catch something. Let's. But I'm going to tell you what, when it came to that football season, what we found was is that we could run a lot longer than that other team could. We weren't as winded as what the other team was. We, we could carry on a lot further than the other team. I mean, we weren't winded. We weren't exhausted. We, you know, we, we had less injuries, and we won because of it. And that's what endurance does. You do the training, you learn to endure, and you'll finish the race. I mean, we read it last week, Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good, for you'll reap a harvest in due time. Hebrews 12, 1 tells us, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, the sin which clings so closely. Let us run the race with endurance. Let us run with the race of endurance. Number four is this, is I believe that Daniel had a confidence. He had a confidence in God. And even if, say even if it, he was in the presence of one of the kings, they're like, you know what, Daniel, I don't want to hear it off of his head. 
You know, even if he was in that lion's den and the, and, and the, and the lions gobbled him up, I mean, Daniel carried a confidence in God. And it, the best way I know to do this is it's kind of, I want us to go really quick through these verses. I want to remind you, I, so we're talking about, you know, we're just coming from endurance, but, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, maybe you haven't been here every week, but I want to read you some of these verses. One of them is Daniel 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 11. Then Daniel, this is when they want him to eat the other food, but he, Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, test your servants for 10 days. I mean, what kind of confidence does it take for him to say, test your servants for 10 days, let, let us be given vegetables and water to drink, let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed to you and deal according to what you see. And what he's saying is, we'll eat our diet, you eat yours, and we'll see who comes out ahead in the end. I mean, that takes a comp. Or how about Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 12? Because he was the king and was angry and furious and commanded to all the wise men of Babylon to be destroyed. And this is when he, King Nebuchadnezzar is wanting the, his, his dream interpreted. And so, you know, Daniel's like, hey, why, why, does, da- why, why does the king want to kill these com- our companions and these wise men? Verse 14, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Listen to this. He declared to Ariok, the king's captain, why is this decree of the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the matter known to Daniel. Verse 16, and Daniel went and requested the king to appoint a time. That he might show him the interpretation of the king. Nobody else can interpret that dream. But Daniel says, hey king, you give me the time and the day and I'm going to interpret it. That's not arrogance, that's confidence. Daniel 3.17. This is, so this, this is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's confidence. Daniel 5, 17, then Daniel answered and said to the king, let your gift, this is when he, you know, this was last week about the handwriting on the wall. Let your gifts be for yourself and the rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing. You gotta, I want to remind you just really quickly, when, when God's hand, his finger wrote that on the wall, that was not a language, a known language. And Daniel says, okay, king, I'll make the interpretation known to you. That's not arrogance. That's not pride. That was confidence in God. You know what that is? That's a step of faith. Are you with me? That's a step of faith of saying, okay, God, I don't know what's beyond this moment, but I'm going to step forward anyway knowing that I trust you complicitly and wholly and fully. One of my favorite verses, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Confidence comes from knowing who you are in Christ. Confidence comes from knowing your purpose. I'm trying to hurry here so we can close. And the last one is this. You don't even have to fill in the blanks. I just left it there for you. But it's courage. There is no doubt there was some courage with Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There, no doubt there was some courage. No doubt. And we've talked a lot over the, this last year and a half, really, about courage. And, you know, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's so many awesome promises. 
But I was thinking back to when Joshua and the Israelites, when the Hebrew, Hebrews at that point, were coming out of Egypt and they were, you know, it was after they wandered the wilderness for 40 years and they're about to go in and, and take the land that God has given them. And God tells them, be strong, Joshua 1.6, and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And he says, picks up in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why can you have courage? Because God's always with you. You see, the enemy thinks the darker he can make it seem to you that it will black out God's influence in your life. That you won't be able to see God at work or believe that God is with you. It, it, you understand the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, I mean, when these trials and things come your way, but what God says, you just trust me. You may not see in the room where you are or what's going or where, where I've got you headed, but you just, you trust me and I'll see you through. I'll see you through. You to stand with me this morning. Thank you once again for joining us for our podcast. If you want more information about us, just find us on the web at odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Again, thank you for joining us, and I pray that the Lord richly bless you.